0: Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. I'm the great Brian Last. It's my pleasure to be with you once again as me and Mike Mills go back and look at Mid-South Wrestling Television from June 12th, 1982, a very, very interesting episode, to say the very least. But before we get going any further, let me introduce the man I just mentioned from Booking the Territory, Mike Mills. Mike, this is a great episode of Mid-South Wrestling.
1: This really is a a good episode. There's a lot that goes on. There's a lot of interviews. Probably, I would say, since we started doing this, this one might have more interviews in it than we've seen in, in, in any other episode. And and with these interviews, they're, they're telling a story, and we've got a certain direction we're going with things with D.B. and Roop and J.Y.D. even. But there's just a lot of things going on in this episode with these interviews that will uh, continue down the road and tell the story that we need to be told uh, as it pertains to the North American title.
0: They literally kick off the episode this week, Mike, and go right into what is really going to be the central theme throughout the wrestling show. All the different matches, even though some of the other feuds are happening, this is something that keeps getting talked about, and we'll talk more about it, too, here on the show. Let's go now to the Open of Mid-South Wrestling to hear what's going on.
2: I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, another outstanding card, a special challenge match headlines a card, 320 pounds, 6'9", the big cat Ernie Ladd takes on 454-pound one-man gang from the stable of General Skandar Akbar. All the top stars are here, Iron Mike Sharp, the Junkyard Dog, Bob Roop, the Assassin the Grappler. You'll see them all, and you'll hear the expert description by our guest commentator, Cowboy Bill Watts.
3: Bill? Well, oh, thank you, boy. It's always great to be here, and you know, I think a lot of things start simmering along about now, looking toward that big summer Superdome, July the 17th, and one of the things that really shocked me is uh, Ted DiBiase apparently has really had it deep in his craw about the March 17th, the way he lost the North American title, and I can certainly sympathize with him, but uh, I think it just finally blew up today, and earlier, He gave Grizzly Smith and Mid-South Sports an ultimatum, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But first, let's go to the ring, to Iron Mike Sharp and Randy Bays, the first match.
0: And we go to that match, once again, Iron Mike Sharp versus Randy Bays with Alfred Neely as the referee in just a moment, but right at the top of the show. They do the rundown of what's coming up on the show, and then Watts goes right into DiBiase giving an ultimatum, and we'll hear more about it later in the show.
1: I thought this was great right at the top because you don't have a big match starting. You got Iron Mike Sharp versus Randy Bay. So what do you have Bill Watts do? Boyd throws it to him. He introduces the show, and he just says, hey, DiBiase gave an ultimatum, and stay tuned because it's coming up. So... You ain't going to change the channel because you just heard that because now you definitely have to hear what the heck is coming from DiBiase with this ultimatum given to Mid-South Sports. Uh, So we'll hear more about it later in this episode, but that was a very good and nice tease at the beginning of the show from Bill Watts.
0: There's not too much to say about this match. The usual fans are all in the front row with a few new people mixed in there. There's a baby seemingly next to Hank at certain points during the show. But Bill Watts does say some interesting stuff on commentary, Mike, about this whole situation with DiBiase. Also, a situation, and I find this one fascinating, too, with the state championships, because the JYD is the Louisiana state champion, and Mr. Olympia is the Mississippi state champion, and they're the tag team champions. What happens if they win all the belts? So let's listen to this right now. Really good audio here.
3: We'll be having an interview with Ted Dibiase. Like I say, he's really been upset about the fact that he lost the North American title. Not the fact that he lost it, because Ted's just too good a sportsman for that, but The fact that the way he lost it, and boy, you and I watched it, and we had to agree with him, but Mid-South has long ago established that whatever happens here on television, that we will not be able to review the tapes to change the outcome, just as the National Football League doesn't, nor does the National Basketball Association or baseball or anybody else. You just can't do it. So however it goes down, it goes down, and it was a raw deal, and Ted feels that he hasn't gotten... The return bout that he's entitled to that can keep out outside interference and also not let Roop save the title by being disqualified. So these are some of the things we'll talk to Ted a little bit later. Also a new ruling by Mid-South Charlie Lay and stating uh, a lot of complaints. Naturally, the people that complain are not the people that have have all the accolades, but there's been some complaints with some wrestlers about the fact that the Junkyard Dog and Mr. Olympia hold both the Louisiana state heavyweight title, the Mississippi state heavyweight title, and the Mid-South tag title. And uh, that brings up the the situation that uh, the North American championship, if the dog or Mr. Olympia would win that, they'd have all the titles on these two individuals. Well, Charlie Lay said that they can definitely hold individual titles and still wrestle as a tag team champions. However, if they would win, one of them would win the North American championship, he would then have to forfeit his state championship to fulfill the obligations of the north american title and you can certainly see why they couldn't undergo the strenuous scheduling of both the north american championship and either the louisiana or the mississippi championship and i'm sure either one of those men fine young champions that they are would regret having to forfeit the state titles that means so much to them but they would certainly be moving up the ladder in the professional wrestling world by winning the north american title but that's all conjecture at this point point. and like i say it all started by a bunch of guys Hoping to win something by not beating anybody, I, I'm sure, and they would like to see, uh, I've seen a title taken away from them, but that's just not going to happen in Mid
1: South.
0: Well, there it is. Watch with a mouthful.
1: I thought I thought it was good and a great explanation too, uh, because they, he's right. You know, they both have they have the tag titles, JYD and Olympia. They each have a state title, and I just think that it was important that he explained what happens with both of them owning these state titles. And if one of them won the North American title, they would have to give up the state title. Now, what's important about what Watts says there also is J.Y.D. later on in the episode is going to speak to if he's going to explain why it would be hard if he ever won the North American title for him to give up the state title. but I'll save that for later. But he he explains that and, and what that what the state title means to him as it relates to the people in Louisiana but it's a mouthful but it was it was a nice little explanation from Watch right there and it it does tie into what is discussed later in this episode and he also mentions also I think at the top of it how Ted DiBiase got a raw deal when he lost the title to Roop I thought that was important you know we we've not seen a DiBiase and Roop title match on TV to this point but we have seen Uh, What I don't know happened on the non-televised shows that are all out there, which I have not looked at the results that went around the territory. I was wondering if DiBiase and Roop ever got a chance to do battle for the title. I feel like the answer to that would be no, uh, just because that would be hard to sell on TV. Why would Watts do that to himself? So, uh, But good stuff there from from Watts as he explained everything that's going on, uh, whether it be the North American title and the the Louisiana and Mississippi State titles as well.
0: Well, coming out of this, we get another segment at the desk with Bill Watts and Boyd Pearson. In this one, we're going to finally get to hear what Ted DiBiase has to say. But before we go to that insert, Bill and Boyd talk, well, mostly Bill, talk about Ted DiBiase, his career, and everything he's been through, including the loss of the North American title. Let's listen to this right now.
3: Well, boy, there's an old saying that still water runs deep. And, of course, Ted DiBiase, you and I have watched his career from when he was rookie of the year, and he battled such guys as Killer Carl Cox and, of course, Dick Murdoch kind of took him under his wing and helped train him. and So Ted DiBiase cut his teeth on the toughest ones in the business. His dad was a, a tremendous professional athlete, a great amateur athlete, who was fatally injured and died from, a, from an injury in the ring. So Ted knows that it's not going to be all picnics and easy living. It's tough and hard. When you see these guys here on television, it looks so great and so easy for them, but you've got to realize the hours they put in the training, the traveling, the, and, uh, and the, they learn everything the hard way. Well, Ted, March the 17th was defeated right here on television. He was supposed to wrestle Paul Orndorff for the North American title, but Orndorff's car apparently malfunctioned. As we found out later, Bob Roop had a hand in it, but Orndorff with Bob Roop, the man who designed the counter to the figure four, had also designed a plan to lift that North American title from Ted DiBiase, so that when Roop got Orndorff out of the picture, they executed the plan with General Skandar Akbar and the one-man gang, and Ted lost that title. Well, Ted's really been stewing, and he feels that Mid-South hasn't supported him. We've done all, as from the board meetings I've sat in on and, and, and Grizzly Smith, everything's been done that can. Bob Roop was skillful at avoiding getting pinned down in the match, so it's certainly not all Mid-South's problem. But I understand an intense competitor like DiBiase and his desire, and it's all coming to a head. And today, DiBiase shocked the wrestling world with this announcement he made to Grizzly Smith. Let's listen to that now.
0: Well, before we go there, Bill Watts kind of lays out the whole scenario. Teddy DiBiase, we've seen him come up, we've seen everything he's been through. He got screwed for the North American title. Now he's really upset and he's given us an ultimatum.
1: Yeah, I I thought this was good. Once again, old school territory days, you know, one hour of TV, not everybody had a VCR. Watts did his best within about a minute and a half to lay out the scenario that has been that happened and why we got to where we're at right now with DiBiase and his North American title as it relates to Roop and Roop cheating and one-man gang being involved. So I thought that was a nice little little layout, bits and pieces of the story right there leading up to DiBiase, DiBiase's interview uh, and segment right here where he's going to give this ultimatum.
0: Do they ever explain where Paul Orndorff is? Uh, <laughs> that's the question I still <laughs> want to know. But anyway, let's now go to this segment. Here's Ted DiBiase. It's a uh, interview in front of a black backdrop. It's very dark, very cool-looking, actually. Well, let's go to uh, Ted DiBiase right here, right now.
4: On March 17th of this year, I was robbed of the North American heavyweight title right here on TV by Bob Roop, Skandar Akbar, and the one-man gang. And I felt sure at that time that Mid-South Wrestling would not let that decision stand. But they did. And I feel like it was one of the biggest rip-offs that ever come down the pike. But I didn't cry over that. I didn't gripe about it. I accepted it. I bit the bitter pill and I went on knowing that Mid-South Wrestling would stand behind me and give me ample opportunity to regain the North American title. Well, up until right now, I don't feel like that's been done either. And I'm serving notice right now here today to matchmaker Grizzly Smith that I've set a goal that within the next two weeks, right here on this television, I get a North American title shot with a no disqualification clause if i don't get the shot i'm going to leave mid-south if i get the shot and i don't win the title i will also leave mid-south for good
3: well boy there you have it from an intense young man ted DiBiase, and you're getting his feelings right from the heart i don't think ted is trying to be flippant about it and he's certainly not trying to be Uh, overbearing. What it is, is he's letting Mid-South know just how deeply he feels about it. And so he's given him an ultimatum that he's set a schedule that he wants within two weeks, a no disqualification match for that North American title. He'd like to do it right here on television where the whole country can witness it. And he hopes to cut the outside interference. But he's also said that if you give me that match and I can't beat the guy fair and square, then I'll leave. I'll pack my bag and go. And I think that statement is almost an exclamation point, and I—I I know Gris, Grizzly Smith is certainly considering that. We'll find out more about it later in the show today. Let's go to the ring now and Reese about it.
0: Well, there it is, Mike. Uh, of course, with Bill Watson, Boy Pierce wrapping it up. The Ted DiBiase promo—good stuff. Explains everything. It's not exactly a heel turn. He's not turning heel or anything, but it's definitely a—a. A, how do I describe it? It's a different Ted DiBiase than we see. Maybe a little more intense. A little more showing that. He's fed up, showing that he's at his limit with everything that's going on.
1: Yeah, it, it's definitely he's more amped up. It's it's a more aggressive babyface um, character or portrayal from DiBiase that you see. But what what I liked about it, which what still makes him a a lovable babyface here to me though too, is the fact that he's being so noble. I mean, he's he's at his wits end. He's like, look, um, you know, if if I don't get this sh- title shot, I'm out. But if you give it to me uh, with a no DQ clause and I lose, I'll leave Mid-South. And, you know, you got to put yourself in the time frame of 1982. Yeah, I guess we a lot of us knew there were other territories and guys were going there. I didn't. I mean, I kind of knew from PWI. But, you know, when I heard this as a kid, seven, eight years old. Holy crap, man! If he loses, he's gone. You know, hell that that may have been to me. That was almost like a man was dying and he was leaving Earth, even though he wasn't. I mean, n- nowadays you think, oh, well, whatever. But I, I just think it makes him look like you know a, a noble person who's gonna who wants the fight that he you know he really does deserve. But the fact that he's willing to say, look, if I don't pull this off and I don't win, I'll leave Mid South Wrestling. I'm gone. I'm out of here. And I, th- I thought from. That standpoint. Although he's a little aggressive as a baby face, uh he's very assertive for sure. I thought he was being a noble person here, and he's he's putting his not his career on the line, but he's putting the territory on the line and leaving if he doesn't do it. DiBiase
0: demands a North American title shot on TV within two weeks with no disqualification, one fall. We'll uh, find out what happens later in the program. From there, we go to an actual Ted DiBiase match: Ted DiBiase versus Mike Bond with Rick Ferreira as the referee. Um, not much to say here. Ted DiBiase wins with a power slam. This is, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, I think this may be the first match we see with DiBiase wearing a glove.
1: I think you're right. He's got the, uh, white glove. Well, not only white glove, but 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 tape on it as well and i guess that's important because this is something roop is going to focus on uh yeah he'll focus let's just say bob roop is gonna is gonna be talking about this in uh, in the, the coming in the coming weeks and uh, yeah let's just say Roop will be talking about that white glove with the tape and i'll leave it at that
0: ted dibiase wins with a power slam and from there let's actually go to some audio from bob roop all this is going on dibiase has issued an ultimatum What is Bob Roop's response to that ultimatum? Let's hear this right now.
3: My boy Pierce Grizzly Smith had asked Bob Roop his opinion of Ted DiBiase's ultimatum, and we'll join Bob Roop and Reese Bowden in the ring for this next match. But first, let's hear the brief comments Bob Roop made and then directly to the ring.
5: To
6: Debiasi, pack your bags. Grizzly Smith told me you gave him a two-week ultimatum. You either wrestle me, win the belt, or whatever, you're gonna leave. You want a no DQ match? Well, listen, to get rid of you, I would beat up my own mother. And all I have to do is beat you again. Remember, I'm the one to put you out for six weeks. I'll beat you anywhere, anyway. I'm the man with the plan. I'm the one. Give me the rules. I'll figure
0: out a way to beat you. Pack your bags, Debiasi. There it is, Bob Roop in a very comfortable-looking silk shirt, talking about Ted DiBiase, and he seems okay with the idea of wrestling DiBiase again.
1: He looks like he's straight out of nineteen seventy, right there. In that, <laughs> up, that silk, silk butter—I guess it's a butterfly. It's a big—it's not a butterfly collar, but it's close enough, in my opinion. So, I mean, he—he he looks like he's getting ready to film a. Uh, a a shaft movie. I don't know how to explain it, but anyway, he he does definitely. It sounds. I mean, he doesn't outright say it, but it sounds like he's definitely going to give uh, Ted DiBiase his shot at the title in two weeks. So I guess we'll see what happens.
0: From there, we go to Bob Roop in the ring against Mike Hudspeth, with alfred neely as the referee. Bob Roop, of course, the North American champ, although this is a non-title match. And uh, Bill Watts has some thoughts on all of this, Mike, on Bob Roop, on DiBiase, on the dog as well as some thoughts about a potential future Bob Roop may have with Steve Dr. Death Williams. Let's listen to this right now.
3: Bob Roop, who seems to create a lot of controversy, the man with a plan, and he certainly always has a plan, seems like every time he's back's against the wall, he can figure some way with a lot of help from a lot of other nefarious individuals to pull it out. And, of course, we saw Ted DiBiase and his opinion and Bob Roop's answer to that. You know Boyd Pierce... There could be another answer to that. The junkyard dog, after what happened here last week on television, when he wrestled Bob Roof for the North American title, the junkyard dog has been seething, and he's known to make a lot of things happen. He's the man of the hour, and I'll guarantee you when they start trying to put him out of the wrestling business by injuring his leg, he's going to go after the man that designed it. The one way they eliminate Roof is to take that North American title, so it could be a foot race between DiBiase and the dog as to who gets to take Roof apart first.
2: Bob Roof... No doubt that Bob Roop is a wanted man and heavy hangs that crown on top of his
3: head. As you see here, he's all confidence and all ability. Of course, Bob Roop's been making some snide remarks about Steve Dr. Death Williams, a young four-time All-American wrestler from Oklahoma University and will be on the Barry Switzer's Oklahoma University football team next year as as the Doc is making his professional rookie season in in wrestling. And uh, Bob would like to grab Doc early, but I think with the ability Doc's got, he might bite off more than he can chew, too. Aroop just tries to keep everybody after him and keeps himself right in the center of activity, and he's doing it right now. One, two, three.
0: Well, they hear it? Bill Watts talking about Bob Roop always surrounding himself with nefarious individuals and being their leader and causing them to do harm and lots of other things here, but really summarizing everything going on Bob Roop.
1: Yeah, I got to say something too. I've mentioned this on a few shows here, but I, we, as it pertains to Bill Watts and Mid South Wrestling, I think you and I have uh, the utmost respect for the cowboy. Wouldn't wouldn't you agree, right there, Brian?
0: As a wrestling promoter and a booker and and someone running a television show, absolutely.
1: I right exactly. That's exactly where I was going. However, he's wearing me out with Doctor Death, Steve Williams talk. I, I get getting the man over. It's just, it's like if somebody sat there and just kept plucking... One spot on your arm. Eventually, you'd be like, "Okay, okay, you can stop now. I get, I get it, I get it. You were trying to get my attention. He's just wearing me out with the Doctor Death talk. And unfortunately, that's not going to end. But he's wearing me out. Like he found a way to weave in Roop, DiBiase, and JYD, which made sense as it pertained to the North American title. And then he starts talking about Doctor Death, Steve Williams, and watch claims Roop might be biting off more than he can chew when they get on the topic of Doctor Death and and Doctor Death and Roop possibly doing battle. And I was like, "Oh no, no, no! Come on, this is your North American champion. This guy." Just just got here. Why are we why are we having this discussion? Give it a little time. Again, the seven-year-old version of me probably doesn't even pay attention to it, but as I'm older, I'm like, I don't know if that really made a lot of sense. Uh like you said, I think you even mentioned uh, at the end, Roop wins with the big knee drop and leg drop, and that's that.
0: From there, we get a recap of everything last week with JYD versus Bob Roop. Of course, during that fracas, Ernie Ladd gets involved by hitting the one-man gang with a chair. If the one-man gang jumps in with Akbar and tries to help Roop by injuring the dog. And then DiBiase runs out, and DiBiase sacrifices himself, which is the way it's put on commentary, covering the JYD's body when Root comes off the top rope. So that's now part of the whole storyline. JYD and DiBiase have this friendship, and DiBiase helped him out. And DiBiase hates Root, but he definitely wanted to protect his friend first. We get a recap of all of that. And from there, Bill Watts talks a little bit about all of that that happened in that recap, and then throws it to an interview with the Junkyard Dog. So let's listen to this right now.
3: Believe you me, Ernie Ladd and Ted DiBiase have been victims. They've been there. Thank goodness for that, for the Junkyard Dog. But now you understand what DiBiase is so upset, but also the Junkyard Dog is upset because he realizes it's now a battle for survival. And I questioned the Junkyard Dog earlier about what his plans were concerning the title, plus some other statements he made. Let's go to that interview, and then we'll go direct to the ring to watch the fabulous one, the Junkyard Dog, in, his, in action. Well, J.Y.D., at Mid-South, the North American title has either been a blessing or a curse to many people, depending on how you look at it. And we've seen the power and the prestige and the income earned off of it either corrupt a lot of people or bring a lot of people to the heights of their ability. I've never thought that a title as such was what motivated you. You seem to be around me and everybody else. It seems that your family's first, that you do love this business, and that you always go out and give 100% for the people and for yourself. But after what happened last week with Bob Roop, when they had the one-man gang come in and try to do to you what they did to DiBiase and possibly re-injure your bad leg and put you out of wrestling, knowing you that a good defense is a great offense, how do you feel about the North American title situation? Well, uh, Bill, you know,
6: I'm a very slow and methodical type person. I I fought for everything i ever had. And that's for the the incident that happened on television last week with the one-man gang and Roop. I've never been the type of person to chase anything. I always waited for the opportunity to knock at my door. But now, Bob Roop, I'm knocking, and I'm going to come
3: in. Well, I think that serves warning to Bob Roop, and I think that's the way you got to get rid of them is take their titles and their prestige away from them. But you also heard... Ted DiBiase, and the title thing is really getting to him because of the way it was taken from him. Certainly, I can sympathize with him, as can you. What do you think about his statement?
6: Well, you know, I'm, I've never been the type of person that, that boxed myself in, and I feel very bad because DiBiase is boxing himself in, and he's a family man, and, you know, he's one of the very personal friends I have, but I think he going about the wrong way by boxing himself in a situation like that.
3: Well, only time will tell on that. Another thing, Junkyard Dog, that Charlie Lay and the Board of Directors of Mid-South have passed a, a ruling. It's seemingly enforcing division of titles because you hold one half of the Mid-South tag title. You also hold the Louisiana title, and your partner, Mr. Olympia, holds the Mississippi title. And they stated that the North American title is a regional title and can't be tied to one state, as is the tag titles. And if somebody, either you or Mr. Olympia, should win the North American title, you would have to vacate your state title, although you would still be able to compete as tag team champions. How do you feel about that ruling?
6: Well, I know the Louisiana title means a lot to me. The people here in Louisiana have been very, very linked to. And they helped me a whole lot. But if I get the opportunity to wrestle ball route for the North America, then if I get the opportunity to win the North America, I, must, I still would like to represent the people throughout the world because that North American title will take you all over the world. And I would cherish your honor that North America just as much as I do to Louisiana. And I actually hate to have to vacate the, the Louisiana title because they represent the people here in Louisiana the state of Mississippi, but then again, if I'm fortunate enough to win that North America title, if I get the opportunity, then I can represent the people here and lose that all over the world.
3: Well, thank you, J.Y.D., and, of course, that's conjecture at this time, but when you're talking to Junkyard Dog, it seems like whatever he sets his goals, he's able to accomplish it. We'll just have to see as time goes by.
0: Well, there it is, Bill Watts and the Junkyard Dog. The Junkyard Dog really having a tough time coherently explaining his thoughts on having to vacate a state championship potentially if he wins the north american title but a lot going on there they really covered a lot of topics in what two minutes
1: they covered a lot i um th- that had to be th- there's no way they did that in one take they must have did tried that multiple times because they're not live they could do it as many times as they wanted to yeah I, i'm betting that they just got to the point where it's like, all right, this is the best we're going to get today. Um, that was definitely not, you know, everyone know, knows we we talk about JYD a lot here, obviously, for obvious reasons. We always praise him. That obviously was one of JYD's worst promos you'll probably ever see. Um, I can tell you we don't have any of the local promos on any any of the tapes we have, but the local promos, were always were generally often great let me say that I mean JYD some of those local promos when he would talk about going to whether it was home of Louisiana New Orleans at the downtown municipal wherever they were at JYD's local promos were just always solid always gold stuff but right here he struggled getting getting his points across I do agree you know he serves warning to Bob Roop and says he's coming for the North American title he also uh he, he does mention DiBiase is a friend, but he feels that like DiBiase is going about trying to get his North American title match in the wrong way because JYD feels that DiBiase is boxing himself into a corner with this ultimatum, you know, where DiBiase has to win this no DQ match. And if he doesn't, he has to leave. I don't think JYD was very disrespectful right there because, again, he calls DiBiase uh, one of his friends. Uh, JYD also puts over the Louisiana title at the same time saying he's got to you know he wants to go after the North American title if given the chance, and I think that's important because you know he's saying, "Look, I, I I cherish this title, and I'm you know, and I'm glad to represent the people of Louisiana, but at the same time, you know, this is the North American title we're talking here, and it's not my fault they put this stipulation up where if I were to get the North American title, I'd have to give up the Louisiana title. But if that happens, look, Louisiana people in Mississippi and Louisiana, I still love you, but I got to go for that North American title so I can represent more than just the state, but." you know, the world or the country. So I, I thought, although incoherent at times, I understood his message and I'll leave it at that.
0: He also had a really cool looking shirt on that has to be brought up as well. And from there, we go to the junkyard dog versus Billy, the star child star with Rick Ferreira as the referee. Obviously they still haven't found another referee to take Rick Ferrera and put him back on the active roster. Uh, of course, the junkyard dog, both Louisiana champion and one half of the tag team champions And there's not much to say here. He wins with the thump. There was one point, Mike, tell me if you saw this too, right before the thump, where the dog sends him in and as he's coming off the rope, he almost goes like he was going to pick him up either for the thump or just to slam him. And Billy Starr either trips or falls or wasn't prepared for the slam. And he just goes down and then he gets hit with the thump.
1: I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you can see JYD before he Irish whips him and shoots him off that he, he called something. And whatever he called, I would – it looked like it was going to be a backdrop. Um, It just – but when Billy Starr comes off and JYD goes down, Billy Starr doesn't go for the backdrop. He didn't go to post for it. And I just thought at that, JYD was like, all right, you know what the hell with it. I'm just going to pick this guy up and hit him with the thump. And that's exactly what happened. So it was – something was missed. What it was, not 100% sure, but there was definitely something missed there before he hit him with the thump. Next we get a very,
0: very big match, quite literally. The one man gang with General Skandar Akbar. Why do I feel like Reese Bowden's saying that? The one man gang with General Skandar Akbar versus Ernie the Big Cat Lad with Alfred Neely as the referee. They've been building to this one for such a long time, ever since Ernie Lad got turned on by the Samoans and injured by Akbar and the one man gang with the Samoans. Watts keeps calling Ernie Lad Big E throughout the match. Did you notice that?
1: Uh, I don't know if I made a note of it. That's interesting, though, that he would say Big E instead of the Big Cat. Yeah, he says it a few
0: times. Uh, Good match, you know, for what it's worth. Two big guys going back and forth. The crowd's watching intently. They pop when the one-man gang is about to, I forget if he was going to go for a splash or an elbow, but the fans see him back up like he's going to run and get it. And they all, like, kind of make that, oh, like, that noise. You know, like, please, Ernie, get up. So <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. And uh, here's the finish with a surprise run-in, a very interesting and surprising run-in, who then destroys everyone. Let's listen to this right now.
3: Big Ernie Ladd dishing out the punishment with a one-man gang. Skander Akbar certainly can't be enjoying this This as his protege. This is the man that he says is going to take the Louisiana title from the junkyard dog. Boyd Pierce, we just had a man run by in front of us. A huge man. Boyd Pierce, that's the Mongolian. Killer Khan, that's the man who injured Andre the Giant, and he just caught Ernie Ladd with a thrust kick, drove the big man clear over the top rope. Killer Khan, the Mongolian. Ernie Ladd went clear over that top rope. Albert Neely signified the disqualification.
2: Boyd Pearson.
3: The Mongolian killer kind
2: of one man gang. I don't think anybody can clean that ring out. Well, Bill watch while we try to restore some sort of order in our good taste and best interests of our fans, we go to commercial break and then we'll retire.
0: While we try to restore order in the good taste and best interests of our fans. That's an interesting way of signing off to the commercial.
1: I um, uh, gotta love Boyd. A little bored right there. Yeah, it's a, that was interesting. Hey, one thing about this match, it's kinda of cool match when you think about it. We get Ladd against Gang here, which if you recall, Ladd is the man who brought Gang into the territory. So I thought that was kind of a nice little uh a footnote or something to think about when you're talking about this match. And you just got two big old guys kind of pounding on each other. Uh I did not, you know, if you if you're looking at this for the first time, uh, nowhere would you think that Akbar would bring in someone else. Now it's uh, Killer Khan to come in, and he this guy runs in, and he starts beating on Ladd, then he hits him with a big kick. Ernie Ladd flies over that top rope. For a guy with bad knees, that'll make you cringe a little if you ask me. But uh, what did you have, Brian, from all and everything that went down there as they try to restore good faith order or for the good people or whatever Boyd said?
0: You know, it's weird with Killer Khan. He's such a big, scary, intimidating-looking guy, but he's always working with giants, whether it's Andre or Ernie Ladd or later on Hogan. So you never really get to see just what a big guy he is, but he's in there with the gang and Ernie Ladd, and he looks to be almost as tall as them. So he's a pretty impressive looking guy, and he destroys everyone, and he has a reputation a little bit. I mean, they'll hear more about it for the fans that aren't reading the magazines or whatever. They'll hear more about it in a moment from Bill Watts about his reputation, but it's a strong way to get over Killer Khan coming into the territory.
1: Yeah, and he's, you're right. He he is a big guy. But when you, if you, I was looking at it a second ago when you were saying that standing next to Gang, Gang's a tall, God, Gang is so huge. He's, he looks like he's a couple of inches or three to three inches or so, maybe four inches shorter than Gang. It's hard to tell because they're both hunched over in the ring. Uh, but I mean, even that, if you're, you know, three inches shorter than a Gang, you're still a freaking tall, at, you know, tall dude. So, um, you know, you're right. He's in there with three. He's in there with two other mammoths, but he doesn't look as tall as he actually is because he's standing next to two guys that are that are giants. You can really see how tall he is whenever he's just standing next to Akbar, because Akbar probably was only like five eight or five nine. Put him
0: in there with Coco Samoa. See what it looks like. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's gonna, he, he 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 literally would look like, you know, Shaq standing next to what's that guy's name, a little short comedian, Kevin Hart. Uh, that, that's exactly what it would look like in that scenario. So, yeah, I agree. He's he's a, he's a big man, though. And he comes, like you said, to go back to what you were talking about. He comes in and wow, he comes in kind of strong. He, you know, sends Ernie Ladd freaking flying over the top rope and they beat him down a little bit. So good stuff.
0: An interesting thing to bring up real quick here is Akbar keeps bringing in guys. You know, hangman Rick Harris was brought in and he stayed. Even though he didn't join Akbar stable, he was just like, you know what? I like wrestling here. I'm going to stay here. And he brought in the one-man gang. He brought in Hacksaw Duggan. And other than that one taping, we still haven't seen Hacksaw Duggan again. So it wasn't it wasn't like he came in and he started with the territory full time. He was in, and he's not back yet.
1: Right, and another thing too about uh, Rick Hangman Harris, the way they uh, they did kind of cover that because if you remember when they first interviewed Rick Hangman Harris, which is in the very next match he's going to go up against Tor- Tony Torres. But if you recall, Akbar said something like he's not in his stable and he doesn't have a he de- he hasn't put a bounty on whoever on um, Teddy Biasi or the Dog. But if 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 Hangman Harris wants to, you know, injure them, he certainly wouldn't mind it. And he would look into paying him with his oil money. He didn't say that. You know, where I'm going, though. Uh, so they kind of covered it in Akbar's first interview with Harris, because Harris doesn't you know, he says he's not aligned with him. But of course, if he wants to do some of his dirty work, he'd be he'd be happy to pay him. So they kind of covered it there. But you're right. Harris, when he's you know, in his matches, he's nowhere near aligned with Akbar at this point. He's out there single matches by himself. <laughs> So, other than the one man gang,
0: who's actually in Akbar stable at this point?
1: Right, because the Samoans are gone. Yeah, the gang is. Uh, we we haven't seen Duggan in a couple of weeks now. Harris, I mean, I'm, Harris is in the next match, and he's not with Akbar. Yeah, Akbar doesn't come out with him. Uh, who am I missing here? I feel like I'm missing someone. With the assassin, maybe?
0: Nope. He's just a bounty hunter. Remember, he takes the money from whoever gives him the most amount of money. Yeah. There is no Akbar stable right now. Yeah. The that,
1: main gang was supposed to be the muscle. He's now the stable. That's true. I get, you know, I guess you're right. In a, if When you look at it that way, there's there's no technical stable of three to four guys. Because when I think of a stable, I hate when it gets to be more than four guys. I don't know about you. And that's not like the horseman rule. It's just for me it just gets too convoluted. Like when you had the freaking NWO. I mean it was cool when it was a, a just a small group of guys, three to four, but you start getting five and six and good lord by the time the NWO was in its run it was way too many. Um I agree, you got to have three to four people for a stable. Would you say that's a a good number or what do you think?
0: Yeah, you need at least I think three people. You need at
1: least two people. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know I mean you need more than one. That that's the point. Yeah, but- See, two, when you just got two, that's just a tag team, in my opinion. So you got to have you got to have at least three or four for a stable. And, and to me, you, you don't want to go over four and maybe blend over into five. But, you know, including yourself as a manager. But you start getting any more than that. It just it gets out of hand. So I agree with you. I mean, he's only got gang right now, which is really weird. I get so is now Killer Khan a part of his stable. I guess we'll have to wait and see. No spoilers here.
0: Well, speaking of Killer Khan, during the next match, you mentioned it before, Hangman Rick Harris versus Tony Torres with Rick Ferreira as the referee. Bill Watts has some thoughts on everything we just saw with Akbar and Killer Khan in the previous match, so let's listen to this right now.
3: During the commercial break, they helped Big Ernie Ladd, who was really caught by surprise, scanned our Akbar showing that he too learns from the moves other people pull because it wasn't some short few months ago that ernie lad had pulled the same similar surprise on akbar by having the assassin standing by and akbar apparently has gone to has certainly not saved his purse strings and getting the mongolian the big killer khan the man who hospitalized andre the giant the only man to ever seriously injure the giant he broke andre's ankle so certainly he has a reputation and it seems like skandar akbar is It's a battle to the finish. It's almost like the British and the Falklands and the Israelis and and the Palestine Liberation. It's to the finish. It's ongoing. And there's casualties on each side. But the center, Skandar Akbar, and who's going to dominate the Mid-South area? And, of course, at the focal point, Akbar is definitely Ernie Ladd and definitely, above it all, the Junkyard Dog. Akbar has said that the one-man gang is going to wear the Louisiana heavyweight title. That's currently around the waist of the junkyard dog.
0: There we go. Comparing the situation with Akbar to the Palestinians and the Israelis. (laughs) Bill Watson (laughs) has been making some equations the last few weeks, Mike, that are out of this world.
1: (laughs) He always did that. He would come up with... (laughs) What's going on in the political realm with countries, he – maybe – I don't know, man. Bill was something else when it came to that stuff back in the day. I mean it's – he – we haven't gotten to the point where he's talking about the Russians and free – well, we've heard free enterprise, but we haven't gotten to the point where we're talking about the Russians and the communists. So just wait for that. No spoilers there. But of course, Bill had to weave in the Palestinians and what was going on in the geopolitical world. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, also during this match, we get a little bit of breaking news. And, of course, it happens in a way it would only happen on Mid-South Wrestling with Bill Watts completely interrupting Boyd Pierce. So let's go to this right now.
3: And I understand you're going to have the man who's creating so much of the controversy as your guest
2: commentator next week, Boyd. Exactly right, Bill Watts. That's the North American heavyweight champion, Bob Roop, will be here at our table. And we'll Grizzly Smith informed us that there is going
3: to be Ted DiBiase will get a one-fall, no-disqualification match against the North American champion. And he hopes to have that match within the time limit that DiBiase has imposed upon himself and upon Mid-South.
2: Not only will Bob Root be our guest commentator, but next week, the Louisiana Heavyweight Championship on the line, the Junkyard Dog versus the Masked Grappler.
0: Well, there we hear it. Boy Pierce talking, and Bill Watts just steamrolling right over him with the breaking news. DiBiase will get his North American title match. They haven't announced when yet, but he will definitely get it. Grizzly Smith has granted the match.
1: Yeah, you know, when you're the boss, you can do whatever you want. And right there, Bill Watts just politely, and I don't say politely, he interrupted good old boy Pierce, announcing that Grizzly Smith has informed them that there will be a North American title match. So... Got something to look forward to really good there I mean if you think about it because we're getting near the end of the episode there's only about ten minutes fifteen minutes left if you include commercials by that point so I thought that was a a good thing for you know bill has he's kind of paced this episode out really well in my opinion, not necessarily from the matches but just with the interviews and segments we have where we find out what's going on related to a potential North American title match so he started off teasing it then we got you know, Ted DiBiase interview, we got JYD, we got a Bob Rooper interview all in there. And now finally, as we get towards the last quarter of the show, we get the announcement that there definitely will be a title match. All parties seem to have accepted and Grizzly Smith, old matchmaker Grizzly Smith, as Boy Pierce would always tell us, you know, he's agreed to it and we'll have this match coming up.
0: Uh, and by the way, I gotta say once again, Hangman Rick Harris, I really like him in Mid-South. I was never a big Black Bart fan, but I really enjoy him in Mid-South. I wish he would have done more in Mid-South, quite frankly, but I'm sure we'll have more time to talk about that in the future. From there, we go to a big tag team match, the Assassin and the Grappler versus Jesse Barr and the returning King Cobra, who gets a really nice pop from the fans there, I have to say. And Alfred Neely is the referee. Someone posted something the other day, Mike. Please forgive me if you are the person. I don't remember who it was. Uh, And they posted from the Mid-South show we reviewed a little while back, Jesse Barr, when he was in the ring during the L-Ring workout. And it was a close up of his face, and they said, Jesse Barr always looks like a nine year old who just got caught wetting the bed or something. <laughs> and ever since that, every time I see Jesse Barr, he has that face just like a little kid, just like wet his pants. <laughs> and it's been cracking me up. I had to mention it here, of course. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's kind of, I never saw that, but I would have to concur and agree, especially given that moment if it's the moment I'm thinking about where he's out there with Ellering, where he just has this befuddled look on his face, like, Oh damn, my mother and dad beat the piss out of me. I'm in trouble. (laughs) So I would, I would agree. And as you look at Jesse Barr, yeah, that would seem appropriate. You talked about King Cobra getting a nice eruption. You know, I I guess, uh, I'll leave it to you. You're better than pre 81 mid South and pre 80 mid South. You're much better at knowing the history than me. I'm going to assume maybe, um, I, I, not that he was like a a big a big draw, but I'm thinking you know they announced him from Chula, Mississippi and all that so regionally uh the people really liked him i'm a i am i don't remember seeing him much in person but I would think that you know he just got a good reaction. I mean, the dog obviously is your top babyface in the territory, but um, I'm I'm assuming King Cobra got a good reaction from the fans whenever he was out at the live shows, and that's why you kind of heard a nice little eruption from him. Uh, he, he had been around Mid South for a while, hadn't he, Brian? I mean, I don't oh, yeah. I don't remember 481, but. Okay, so yeah, I think I think there's some legacy, you know, fans there. People have been around for a while, always like King Cobra, uh, seemed to be, you know, he he was, I thought he was okay in the ring. I mean, he didn't have the greatest charisma, but uh, just from the standpoint of being a fan back then, I guess, you know, people loved him and they got behind him.
0: And during this match, Bill Watts leaves the announce table. Boyd takes over solo for a couple of minutes until Bill Watts just comes back and completely interrupts him again.
1: <laughs> wait, and wait. I was just going to say, can I interrupt you? Yeah. Well, Watts leaves his desk during the match, and he says he's going to try to go get Ernie Ladd to see if he can get, get him to come back to the desk area, maybe for an interview or something to talk about what happened to him. So Watts comes back and says, we do have Ernie Ladd standing by to have some words after the match. And while all this is going on, a tag is made to Assassin. Assassin comes into his hits bar with a headbutt, and Assassin and Grappler win. It sounded like if you really listen to Watts, he was getting worried that they were going to run out of TV time and he wasn't going to be able to get this, this interview in with Ernie Ladd. I don't, did you catch that? I, I felt like he was in a way he was like screaming to the ref to tell him, go home, but it wasn't happening. So I don't know. Was it just me or what did you catch from that? I have
0: to go back and watch that again. Now I didn't pick up on that. The one thing I did pick up on though, after Watts comes out and starts saying that, if you listen in the background, you hear Ernie Ladd like you know, you hear his voice, clearly his voice. In the background saying something. Right. I don't know what. I don't know what's that on my super duper headphones or anything. But, uh. I hear you. But yeah, but as you said, the assassin pins bars, so the assassin and the grappler win. And then Ernie Ladd does come out, and we get another awesome interview with Ernie Ladd to end this show. Let's go to this right now.
3: Try to get Ernie Ladd out here, Boyd Pierce. We're gonna try to
5: get Ernie Ladd out here. Boyd Pierce, let me tell you something. I have never been blindsided. I have never been blindsided like this. You know, watch, we've had our dips and everything else, but I've been blindsided like this. Never like this in football before. I've had all type of injuries, but the thing about it, they didn't put me out. When you stay in shape, you're tough, and you're ready to come back. I'd like to get this man Con. Is it any way possible? I'd like to get Con anywhere, anytime. I always get the man to get on the land. i pull another trick of heels, you know, but it's one thing about it. He didn't put me out.
3: Arnie, it certainly shows that Akbar learns by other people's maneuvers because a few short months ago, you had had a man stashed and suckered in the Samoans and put him on the run. And so it seems like the, the Akbar, the one thing about him being so devious and having the money that he has, he can reach out and he's repaying you in kind and he is a dangerous opponent. Well, one thing I got to say, it's
5: like a chess game is who got the most marks in the end. I don't plan to go down again. Akbar's a loudmouth. He's backed this stuff up. I'm a loudmouth. I'm backing minds up. All I can say, if I can get some of Akbar's people, because somebody's got to be hurt, somebody has to go to the hospital.
2: Ernie, you'll you have to talk with matchmaker Grizzly Smith, like we've always says on Mid South Wrestling. Our time is gone. A lot of exciting action. We'll have more next week. Remember the Louisiana heavyweight title on the line the Junkyard Dog versus the Mass Rapper. Apparently, in two weeks, we'll have that match. Ted DiBiase versus Bob Roop, one fall, no disqualification. We'll talk to Bob Roop next week as he'll be our guest commentator. Till then, for our guest commentator this week, Cowboy Bill Watts, I'm Boyd Pierce saying goodbye, everybody, from Mid-South Wrestling Television Network.
0: I'm sorry, Ernie. That's just really tough. You have to go talk to someone else about it. I'm going to wrap up the show right now.
1: Well, it's the it's the pre it's the re- rehearse line that Boyd always has or the line he always goes with. He always says that we'll have to talk to Matchmaker Grizzly Smith before we can create anything here. Ernie. I mean, it's just what he does. He says that all the time whenever the guys are at the desk and at the table asking for a match. We got to talk to matchmaker Grizzly Smith. It's just what we do. I thought, Ernie Ladd, i never been blindsided like that before, Bill. i never been blindsided. Well, yeah, you did, Ernie. They got you when they got the Samoans and they injured you. But still, Ernie Ladd was good there, man. I love a good Ernie Ladd interview.
0: Fantastic stuff there. And, you know, we've come such a long way now with this show, over 20-something weeks. You know, so many episodes, over six months of the year. And we're at a point now where everything has been building and building. And now there's so much coming together. Think about everything that's set up coming out of this show. You have the JYD potentially having to give up his title for the, for Louisiana if he wins the North American title. You have everything with DiBiase demanding a title shot at Roop. Roop accepts it. You have everything with Ernie Ladd now and Killer Khan all of a sudden. Everyone wants the Junkyard Dog. There's so many things coming out of this episode.
1: It's it's a lot that's happening and the great part about it is, like, even everything that you see here this week with DiBiase and Jyd and Roop—I mean, this this I guess storyline will will go on even into the late part of this year, uh, because uh, the late part of this year is actually probably my favorite moment. One, uh, top two moments from Mid-South wrestling as a kid. So that's why I got to, I got to be careful because if I say top moment and then we get to 1985 and people are like, well, you said what happened in 82 was your top moment, but there's just so much going on here with DiBiase and JYD and Roop that it's it's hard not to look ahead, but at the same time, it, it leads to some really good things in the coming weeks, especially as it pertains to that North American title. Because you're right, there's so much. I mean, when they mention you, you would have to give up the state title if you win the North American title or these the single titles. I, I just that leaves a lot of possibilities on the table and the pieces to the puzzle as to what you can do with the storylines.
0: Well, Mike, as we wrap things up this week. I want to remind everyone you can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com or available wherever it is that you find your favorite podcasts, classic wrestling talk, and wrestling humor, the 605 Super Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the 605 Super Podcast on Twitter at 605pod. And you can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at Super Podcasts. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory?
1: please give me a follow on Twitter at Mike 504 Saints. I'd appreciate it. Uh, If I don't respond to you and it's related to the show, trust me, I didn't do it on purpose. I just, sometimes it's hard to keep up with everything on Twitter and all the social media, but I I appreciate everyone who's checking out this show and has given Brian and I a five-star iTunes slash Apple podcast review. We really do appreciate it there. It really does help the show and those uh, Apple algorithms, I guess is the words I'm looking for, but also (laughs) check out my show and along with with Hardbody Hopper and Doc Turner, Booking the Territory twice per week. You can uh, find us. Just search Booking the Territory wherever you get your podcast from. Or go to tinyurl.com slash pod and you can listen to us. We are the unprofessional wrestling podcast, but we talk a lot about NWA Saturday Night on TBS from the mid-80s. Smoky Mountain Wrestling. It's a damn good time and a fun time and we hope you enjoy coming along for the ride with us. Uh, And that's all I got, Brian. Another fun show, and it leaves us with a lot to look forward to in the future weeks on Mid-South Wrestling.
0: The Mid-South Wrestling Television Review is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Telly-ho!